Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Prog Report Top 5 podcast. Thanks for listening. Really excited about the episode we have today. Uh, for anybody that has listened and followed the website, you know that personally I am a big, big, big train fan. And uh, of course, I'm a fan of the new album, Grand Tour, which is out now. And uh, really excited for the podcast we have today, which is Top 5 Big, Big Train Songs. Of course, if you've missed any back episodes or any top fives, you can check them out on progreport.com and all our podcast networks. Everything is available online. And also, please check out our playlist on Spotify, New Progressive Rock, and Prog Report Radio, which is updated all the time with new material, including stuff from the new Big Big Train album. So I'm very excited to have these two guys. It's rare that we get two members of a particular band to join on the podcast to discuss their own material. I don't think we've ever had this happen before on the podcast, so this should be a lot of fun. Uh, so I'd like to welcome from Big Big Train, Greg Spotton. Hello. And David Longden. Hello. Thank you guys for doing this. I know you guys are busy in the promo and press for the new album, Grand Tour. Uh, as yep. we're recording this, it's a couple of days away from release. Yep. So uh, chances are this is probably uh, the podcast is out and the album is out already by the time people are hearing this. I think it's another winner. It's another great, fantastic album. Um, you know, before we get started with the uh, top five, which the top five we're going to be doing is Big Big Train Song, so you guys can each share your favorites, and I will as well. You know, I'd like to, to ask you a little bit about the album and how long did it take you to write it and, and a little bit of the story. I think most people know that you went outside of English folklore for this one, but maybe talk a little about about the album and how it came to be. Sure. Um, we. I mean, it took a, a long time to write, um, you know, we are, uh, you know, we're very careful and precise with our songwriting. You know, we're not, you know, until we're ready, it won't, nothing more will come out. Um, so I think probably the writing period, amongst other things, would probably be about a year, David. I, I, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the, yeah, Greg's right. The album took a lot longer than usual to write, but I think that's because we were trying to. Uh, do something a little bit different and we were um, trying to not fall into the same tried and trusted progressions or or, or arrangement things we we're, were very um, very aware of the fact that we wanted to try and do something different yeah and when you write typically is it story first and then you try to place the music or because you guys are really into the into the stories and making sure that it's very detailed and the lyrics are very thought out, unlike, you know, most bands. So what comes first and, and, and well, how much massaging goes into the, the story writing first before the music? Uh, it's quite often a title that comes first or at least an idea um, and then the title follows. So I, th I think quite a lot of the time uh, we'll discover the stories that we're writing about when we're out and about, you know, wandering around. Uh, you know, try and keep, uh, which we're observers, I suppose. So we try and keep our eye out for, for things, interesting tales that get um, have got left behind. Um, you know, it may be a title. It may literally just be a, a passing a passing title that um, grabs our fancies. I don't, I mean, once that's done though, for me, it's normally, you know, I'll be writing to a title, but I won't finish the lyrics until the music is kind of mostly there. Um, you know the melodies may be down. I may have some sort of la la melodies and stuff, but um, but the 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 words come at the end. I mean they come at the beginning and at the end in effect because you know you you kind of know what you're writing about and maybe what the title is. Then you write the music. 
and then you write the words. On your off times, are you always reading just dozens and dozens of books and things and you maybe come across a story and you just pin the corner of it and say, okay, I'm going to get back to this is going to make a good song a year from now type of thing? Yeah, we do. Um, we do a lot of reading, uh, do a lot of research into things. And as Greg said, usually if you're on the lookout of these things, they kind of eventually some, somehow present themselves as we go about our, you know, our travels and our interests. Uh, so Greg will go away or something like that. And he'll, we, we speak most days and um, we also work, well, Greg will share with me what he's thinking about. And uh, I do the same. And eventually something starts to uh, take shape. Uh, within these conversations and um, something you know an, an idea will come together uh, as a result of the conversations so that's that's how we go about it yeah, it seems really interesting and and uh, it, you guys have your own really unique specific style and sound one that I, I really have grown to love it's, it's one of my favorite types of music I think you guys are your own type of music but what do you think about the the sort of the, the sometimes there's a criticism right that like well, it just sounds like Big Big Train again. You know what I mean? But that should be a good thing, right? So I don't know, you know, that's sort of a weird kind of thing because you're not going to come out and start playing double bass metal. That's never going to happen, with it, and, and nor should it, right? Some people always want something different, I think. And um, quite frankly, I think our job is to ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think our job is to write what satisfies us. Uh, and I think with this album, I think what we've, I think that what I like about this album is that it's it's a it's a combination of familiarity in terms of you know our core sound is there, but also we're reaching out for you know other things as well. It's got that it's got the right balance for me between experimentation and you know sticking to what we do best, which is a sound that is you know very particularly ours. So you know alongside maybe a song like voyager which is probably you know fairly core big big train material sounding wise you've got a song like uh, aerial which is you know very different from anything we've done before uh and i think the balance is right you know i, I don't you know I, I don't want us to be repeating ourselves uh indefinitely or you know or you know or going over the same ground but on the other hand you know there is a there is a core sound to the band and you know that will evolve over time uh, it won't necessarily be, you know, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, as we say. Um, I don't know. How do you feel, David? Well, we do. I think we just serve, we serve the songs as always. We've, uh, there's something uh, that Greg and I are very passionate about. We're, we have to also be true to ourselves. So I think when you, you can't be kind of like second guessing what fans want or expect, but you've only got to look at the threads on social media and you realise um, they don't really know what, you know, collectively, they don't know what it is that we should be doing, nor would I expect them to inform us about that. Um, there's no need for it. Um, we, Greg and I know exactly what we want to do, and uh, we, we, you know, we like to experiment with different things. We like to stretch, uh, but it's got to be, it's got to be in context of the, the, the band. It can't just be um, out of nowhere, like suddenly doing an, an, a, a, a a solely electronica album would just be alienate our fan base. So, so this is the right time for me to mention our new thrash metal director. <laughs> right. <laughs> the new side, the new side project. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, that's a good point. And that's the other thing. I think there is scope for um, you know scratching other itches, songwriting itches in side projects. You know, I mean, Nick's doing a 
a fantastic solo album at the moment. And, you know, there's a bit, there are bits in there that sound a bit like Bigby Train and maybe bits that sound a bit like Spock's Beard. It sounds, you know, it's, but it's at the core of what he wants to do with that particular solo album. Right. And, uh, you know, he's got that outlet. We've all got various outlets that we can, um, we can explore and exploit. Um, you know, when it comes to doing Big Big Train music, you know, we'll evolve. But I, I, you know, I don't want to, as I say, I don't want to throw everything out that, that's good about us. Um, I think that would be pointless. No, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, what, the thing that defines your guy's sound for me is, and it's been for many albums now. It's, it's for me, it's the most consistent sound, and it's the most unique sound. Is the, the background vocals, the harmonies, they're completely specific to what big big train does who makes up the harmonies how do those come together they sound so much like you guys every time i hear it well um the harmony vocals is something that we wanted to develop um because we've got good singers in the band you know nick's uh, been a lead vocalist uh, in his time with spocks ricard sings rachel sings we've got um you know that that capability for doing harmony vocals. Um, initially, when I joined Big Big Train on the Under Four Yard, I, I arranged the vocals, um, vocal lead vocals and and um, and harmony vocals. Uh, that's something that I did. But as the grand as the band has progressed, um, and by the time we got to Grand Tour, um, we're starting. I mean, I, I will arrange. I'll do vocal arrangements and and, and things like that. And uh, but it's something that the band's keen to do. You know, we uh, we think it's a it's a strength, so and it's only is a it's and it's a, yeah. a very human sounding strength as well. It's not a, it's not a guitar tone. It's not a keyboard patch. It's it's real people singing, uh, you know, against each other, and it's powerful. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's really really well done. So um, also we should mention uh, that uh, you guys will be touring. Uh, I guess next year is it, and. Um, well, we're touring. We're touring the UK uh, in the autumn of this year, um, right. and then we've got two batches of touring that we're sort of booking at the moment um, next year, which will be uh, an appearance at Rosfest, um, followed by some shows in the states and Canada, and then later in the summer we'll be going uh, out to Italy and hopefully one or two other uh, European destinations as well. So well, that's great. We're all very excited for some U.S. shows. Finally, this is one of the bands yeah, I've been dying to see. Yeah, yeah so, we're, we're looking forward to it. So, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, and you have to play like a four-hour show so we can. Hear all <laughs> okay. So, so get into the uh, All right, uh, all right. So let's get let's get into the top five. Um, as as I explained to you guys before, and anybody that hasn't listened before, what we do is we're each going to pick our five favorite uh, Big Big Train songs. We'll go in order. We'll each pick our number five and then our number four and, and so on and talk about them and, and whatever comes up. Uh, Greg, why don't you go first with your number five uh, choice? Sure. Right, so I'm going to do this chronologically. So there's no, this isn't a top five as in uh, these are my five favorite BBT. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go back to Through the Missing Time and start with... Um, uh, the Underfull Yard album, uh, and the reason I wanted to choose a song from there is because it was our breakthrough album, as much as we've, we've ever had one. Really, it's where it's where David joined, it's where Nick joined, uh, so the core identity of the band uh, began to come about. It's where we first started using the brass band, um, and you know, more importantly, I think it was where you know we talked about the sound that we've got, 
uh, a few minutes ago, and it's where we began to define that sound with the sort of big backing vocal arrangements and the, the brass and the storytelling of the songs. It, it's kind of where it all started for me. Um, and I, rather than choose, um, you know, the obvious thing, the title track or Victorian Brickwork, which are two numbers we've played live, um, I've gone with a slightly deeper cut called Winchester Diver. Um, and I think, uh, again, this is one of those storytelling pieces of music. Uh, so it links to tracks like Brave Captain uh, later on, you know, where we're telling a, a sort of particularly English story. Um, what I like about it um, is that I didn't have very, it's you know, it's a sort of six minute and there's a, you know, there's a chunk of instrumental at the front and the end of it. And so I didn't have very long to say what I wanted to say in it. I only had a verse and two verses and two choruses. Um, but I think I, it's just one of those songs where I just feel I really nailed the lyrics. Um, you know, I, I just, everything I wanted to say, I was able to get down. Uh, and the other thing that came from it for me was a lesson from David, actually. It was our first album working together. Uh, and at that time, you know, I was writing pretty complicated music. I still am sometimes. But, you know, in this particular song, I, I remember I kept fiddling around with the chord sequence in the chorus. And I remember at one stage, David sort of crying out in frustration, look, it's a chorus, Greg, you know, stop arsing around with the chords. Uh, you know, this is supposed to be a, a memorable part of the song. And that it kind of reconnected with me with the fact that in prog rock, uh, the, you know, the song is still the main thing. You know, prog can have long pieces of music, can have long instrumental sections, but it's mainly a, a song orientated uh, genre. And so that was a useful lesson for me. You know, I, I went away from that and, and, you know, that has helped steer me through, um, you know, through, through the last 10 years, really, in terms of my songwriting approach. That's a beautiful song. That whole album is uh, is is amazing. David, you were you had just joined. Did the writing already happen yet? But by the time you joined for that album, or or you were still involved there? Yes, um, the songs were all in place. Uh, they were written, and uh, a lot of it was was recorded. So uh, when I arrived, I they sent me well, Greg sent me some some lyrics, and there were. Um, kind of demo vocals and I just one thing struck me was um there were lots of vocals um the lot was very wordy and I thought sometimes we're going to struggle to get these words in um so I thought it'd be easier if I could share the vocals with lead vocal parts and backing vocal parts so you've got almost like answering phrases from the backing vocals and so that's that that was the thing that set it uh but a, a big thing that um that kind of influenced me during that time. I'd been listening to an album by The Sin called Sinistructible. And it's the album where um, Steve, uh, uh, Steve Nardelli and, um, and also Chris Squire had reunited The Sin. And it was interesting listening uh, to Chris Squire and how he used these harmony and counterpoint vocals throughout that album. 
and that that was a that was a kind of a, an indicator really for me to kind of think actually something like that would really work. So so yeah, that that's that's how I approached that. Oh, that's cool to know. Nice. Um, all right, great. Let's. Uh, what's your number five? Right, my number five. I'll stop. There are no well, no particular order really. If you ask me in half an hour's time, I'll probably give you a different set. <laughs> But the first one I want to choose is uh, something that uh, Greg won't be surprised to hear. It's called Summer's Lease. And it's a song uh, that was on uh, The Difference Machine, which was the album before I joined. And I remember uh, Rob Aubrey saying that um, uh, this big, big train came for uh, a vocalist, perhaps, and uh, I should check them out. And at that time, the magazine, the classic rock had been out with a progressive rock sampler CD on the cover and uh, the track that was on it was Summer's Lease. So it was the first track by Big B Train that I, I'd heard, Summer's Lease. So and when we played Lorelei last summer and um, um, we worked, did a warm-up show in the UK at a place called The Anvil uh, in Basingstoke, we performed Summer's Lease for the first time. Oddly enough, utilising um, us all singing these really tight harmonies in the middle. We had a break down in the middle of the song where it just goes to the vocal harmonies. It was really powerful. So it's a it's my first taste of Big Train, and uh, it was was at Lorelei. So it's been uh, it's a good it's a great song as well. I think it's one. I think it's a beautiful song. I mean, that's I wasn't expecting that we would go to an album that you weren't on, but that is cool. Um, very nice. Uh, all right, I will. Uh, I'll jump in with my number five. Um, I did put mine in an order, but you know, I I, I equally like them all, uh, obviously, and, and more than just five. But you know, picking five was was hard enough. Um, but uh, my first choice is is going to be really the first song I heard from the band. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I will say that the, the first album I heard was the first English electric part one. And, uh, reason I just, I checked out the band was because I was a big fan of Spock's beard. And then I saw in some modern drummer poll or something that Nick DiVirgilio was listed there, but he wasn't listed there as Spock's beard. It had big, big train under it, under his name. And I said, well, I never even knew about this. Um, and so, uh, I, immediately somehow found the the first album checked it out and honestly from the first couple of minutes of the opening track the first rebreather i was like i was hooked i'm like this is awesome i was i'm blown away by this it immediately sucked me in um you know being of the classic prog bands and i hope you don't mind this sort of sort of subtle comparison I, i it's probably been said to you before but you know of the sort of classic 70s original prog bands genesis has always been my favorite and this immediately reminded me of that old kind of classic genesis thing and um you know music like that i hadn't heard in years that was at least new you know uh so 
uh, you know, vocally, man, you, you were awesome on that song. And so that the first song that sort of, sort of drew me in. And, and, you know, that was a period where okay. I'd always been a fan of this music, obviously. And, but in the States, there were, you know, many bands that we just weren't aware of you guys being one of them. And, uh, that album, those set of albums coming out along with, there were a few releases from other bands like, you know, Stephen Wilson, I think had just come out with the, you know, Raven, they refused to sing and some other couple of albums really was the reason I even started the website because I was like, there's too much good music out here. And I'm just emailing all my friends about, you got to check out this, you got to check out this. I'm like, I'll just start a website and maybe a hundred people will see it or something, you know? So uh, really it was, it was one of the albums that kickstarted all this thing for me. So it's very dear to me those first uh, English electric albums. So first rebreather is going to be my first choice. Good choice. All right. So, uh, Greg, you're number four. Yeah. So I'm going to go with um, actually the roots of this song go back even further than the Difference Machine. And this is a song called Swan Hunter. And um, this was a song I could not finish off for love nor money. And, I, and I'd been writing it. I, I, the early demo of it was probably from the late 90s. And I knew it was I knew it was had potential but I just couldn't make the bits work and I couldn't maximise that, maximize that chorus again. Um, and in fact, it was got, the working title was Anthem because I felt it was quite an- anthemic and it just kind of, at some stage, I gave up and it sort of fell, fell by the wayside. So when we were uh, looking to do the English Electric albums, um, you know, it, it became clear that we were doing, in effect, two albums. Um, and, you know, so... I started to look around thinking, is there anything here that's that's not finished off, that has, has potential? And I came upon Swan Hunter, which um, uh, I don't... I don't think it had a title. Did it have a title? It may have. It may have had the title Swan Hunter. I can't remember. So I kind of worked out what it was probably going to be about. But I just, in you know, I, this is a, ca- a question of calling in uh, songwriting rescue. Really, mm-hmm. um, I needed some input from from others to to finish this off. So I spoke to David and said, "Look, have a listen to this and see what you see what you think." Um, and he, you know, he was able to um, come at it with a sort of fresh set of ears. Um, and made it the song you know that it is today, uh, and it's a, I, I, I like the song. I think we both like the song very much. It's quite an emotive subject. It's kind of a father son uh, song set against the background of the sort of fading industrial communities um, in England, and you know that kind of well, it resonates across the world. We've had you know comments from all across the world where the same issues have happened, where industries have. have faded and died and communities have sort of struggled subsequently so it's a quite a you know I like the subject matter um, and the other thing that was nice for me was having you know struggled with this piece of music in the 90s we finally played it live uh, in 2017 uh, and I think it was I went it was it went down really well it was a really strong live number as well um, so it was just nice to kind of you know almost 20 years to see that kind of the story of this song play out and finally 
uh, you know, reach that end stage when we were able to sort of debut it uh, in the live performance. Call me up, boy. Sit you down by the fire. Silence, spend some I love that one. And, and live, the, the last live release, The Merchants of Light, um, man, David, the performance on that is just awesome. Thank you. Uh, really. Just... Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It's not what's nice is, uh, I mean, there's a lovely falsetto vocal, sort of soul bit of vocal singing on the on the album version. And, you know, David absolutely nails that live. And it's the sort of moment where the audience kind of just immediately yeah. connects, you know, uh, and there's, I think there's a live film uh, on on YouTube um, where you can sort of see that and hear that with the audience. So from you know me, I'm just stood at the back of the stage um, playing <laughs> bass pedals at that stage. So it's kind of nice to kind of look out and to think, wow, you know, we're touching people here. You can see and hear the direct connection, um, which is the best bit of playing live when you get that e- immediate feedback and see that something that's been written and performed connects, you know, with the yeah. That, that's one of those where I, I found myself even just clapping in my own house <laughs> like this is great <laughs> well, um, all right uh, uh, David you're number four okay um, it's interesting that Greg should um, choose um, Swan Hunter and the relationship between, between fathers and sons and relationships um, between fathers and sons mothers and daughters mothers and sons all that kind of business it's quite they're quite common ground within Big Train material as it is so important to our lives both Greg and I um, we have uh, we've got children and and they and they the idea of carrying something on is 100 talks about um, we carry it down pass it on down to the next generation and of course that would have eventually fueled some of the idea of uh, the idea of uh, folklore as well when coming onto that record where the idea of literally culturally we, we pass things down from generation to generation but this is also uh, the next track I'm going to choose is from a, a, an EP that we did which got, the EP was called Fast Guys Deep Time and and it was one of it at that point mm. we'd had some great reviews for the under four yard and we were um, we were feeling confident about it you know we we thought wow we've done something that's struck a really good uh, chord here and we can go off and make some more interesting music we were feeling quite um, quite empowered with good reviews from the under four yard um, Greg had a, a, a had written a piece of music and it's it was got a working title of Brambling. And Brambling is pretty much when you go in the sort of along the English hedgerows and you get the wild berries growing in the hedgerows and things like that. And you can you can pick them and, and, and do it. So my, my next track uh, is called it, the next track I've chosen is called Brambling. And but it's also about this rite of passage. Um, it's about first wow. love. 
It's about, um, it's the idea of young people meeting and falling people and falling in love for the first time. So there's all that heady um, summer berries, um, eating uh, berries from the, fresh from the hedgerows and, you know, that kind of thing and, and meeting, uh, you know, people that we fall in love with. And there's also, it's, it's also, um, uh, it's part of the like, sexual awakening as well in people. Suddenly these 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 motions kind of uh, swell up. And uh, and it's also the the idea as well that when these love when these love uh, affairs come to an end, and how heartbroken that is. But it's the heartbreak that you need in order to make you grow um, in emotional maturity. And uh, I like this one. Um, Greg said to me, uh, "You've got the working title of uh, Brambling." We kept the title because I think it was a good song. And I just wrote a song. So we were talking about. Um, I think at that time one of Greg's children were about to fly fly the nest and all that kind of thing and had been and it embarked on a relationship so all that was very much um, it, it in the in the environment so I, I wrote this thing the lyric and it's quite a, I was really flattered with this piece of criticism that uh, it received on 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 one forum where somebody compared it to uh, a Laurentian he called it in the sense of DH Lawrence you know similar sorts of feel uh, themes and that that's fine by me because um, uh, where I where I come from, D. H. Lawrence is a local boy, mm. so uh, that uh, that was that 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 was good. So Brambling, that's my fourth choice. Uh, you know, this isn't on my uh, on my top five, but since you brought up the EP, I always was curious how you guys stumbled upon the um, uh, re- redoing the the Master of Time track from because uh, that's an Anthony Phillips B side, right? How did that come about? Um, I don't, you know, I can't remember why <laughs> why that came about. I think we were we ended up we had a little interregnum whilst we were writing the English Electric album, so we had a bit of time. And we thought, you know, we, let's put an EP together. And so we sort of finished these uh, co-written tracks that we had, Wide Open Sea and, and Brambling, etc. Uh, and I, I don't know, I'd, 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 for some reason, I'd, I'd, I'd heard this this demo on an Anthony Phillips um, album. It was an unfinished song. It never made it from demo through to the, the final stage. And uh I, I it just appealed to me i just thought actually this is one of those songs that needs uh or would benefit from a proper full band treatment yeah um and i you know in, in the end i mean we didn't it wasn't padding the ep out because the ep ended up as being over 40 minutes long so it's probably the longest ep ever written <laughs> but it just it just turned out really well and so it you know we let our hair down a bit on it with some long soloing and yeah and no I and, love that um, version that's really yeah it's really it's a cool really, little, really good. little thing actually and and uh, we've certainly Anthony has has uh, you know been in touch with David fairly recently actually and and said how much he likes our version so um you know it's nice that the the original writer is you know we've got the sort of stamp of appre- approval from uh, from Anthony on that yeah one. that's really cool uh, okay I'm gonna jump in my number four. 
Um, you know, when I was coming up with my list, I, was, I sort of noticed the trend, but we'll see. Uh, I, I normally go for like the big epics and I tend to like that kind of stuff, the long songs with the many solos and that kind of thing. But um, I'm not, I'm going to go a different route for this one just because this song just always, uh, it I gets me going whenever I listen to it. And I love the, the live version even is, is great. So it's the, the title track from Folklore, um, which... I just love, I mean, I think it totally just rocks. It's, it, the ending, the last couple of minutes, um, you know, kind of has that flute line going and you guys start soloing and it has this whole kind of, it just really picks up a lot. And I just love that part. And it's sort of for you guys, kind of like a, a, a real sort of driving kind of rock song, which I dig when I heard it live and even more, you know, again, on the merchants of, of light, it, it has sort of a, Get, get up and and stomp your feet kind of kind of number which is which is not something you guys are generally known for but i love that song so that's that's my number four there and how did that song sort of come about folklore um it was um well we decided that we were going to make um a record we'd we'd been working on a project which didn't come to fruition because and that was mainly due to the success of the group um we thought that we needed after the english electric records we needed uh an album we needed an album that we could make um quickly and and do it rather than making a, an extended concept album, which was the initial idea for the follow-up uh, to those records. So we ended with Folklore. Greg and I, again, on our many phone calls or Skype calls, not Skype, but we used FaceTime, um, we decided that we were, uh, you know, we, we were messing around with one or two kind of ideas. Then the idea of Folklore came up, and then we decided that's going to be the name of the album. So the themes of the album kind of fell into place around around it. So it's that that's how it came to be. And folklore itself uh, was just um, uh, it, 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 that rhythm, that dum ga dum ga ga dum ga in the verses. That it's almost like a, a sort of an Arabic type thing, you know, this this uh, Eastern sounding rhythm going. And, um, it has that call call back response thing with the background exactly. vocals that you were talking about too, right? It does, yeah. It's the a, a, in my head when I was writing it, I could imagine me going, "Let us be living." Da, 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 and then they go, "Hey ho!" Da, 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 and that's kind of came to pass. So by this point, we've done yeah. the first gigs, you see. So we kind of got a grip on what it was that the audience liked and what kind of could they could do and what they were up for doing. And we needed songs um, that had that um, audience participation thing. Uh, which again, as you say, we're not really known for that yeah. kind of thing, or weren't really known for that kind of thing. And so, a lot of my um, tasks around this kind of era was right things like wassail. It's very much written for the live stage folklore. It's a call to arms. It's a rallying thing. You know, it's a uh, that 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 was it. Right. So um, that, that's how that came to be. Nice, love it. Uh, all right, Greg, you're number three. 
So I, I'm actually sticking uh, with the Folklore album. Um, I'm going to choose a song. I think this is... We released a lot of music um, in a short period of time with Folklore and then Grimm's Pound. Um, and I think the the only problem with that was a couple of songs fell by the wayside a little bit that didn't get the attention that I feel they deserved. So I just wanted to drop this one in here. It's a song called Winky. Um, oh, I love Winky. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. It's a great. So it's another storytelling song. It's uh, yeah. you know, it's a true story, um, which which David. I'm not sure how David discovered it, but it's a but it's a true story. Uh, it's a very dramatic musical backdrop. I, I haven't listened to it for years, and I listened to it the other day when I was just working out what songs I was going to choose, and I just you know just. I just had a huge smile on my face at the end of it. You know, it's a real, I'd call it a sort of prog rock romp, really. It sort of romps around. It's quite complicated. It's quite tricky, um, but it's got some great tunes in there as well. So, I, yeah, I, I just wanted to, you know, grab an album track here that's that doesn't often get mentioned and just, you know, bring it out into the daylight a little bit. So my, my third choice is Wink. <laughs> Rescue search, but it's a hopeless task. With no coordinates, the search area is just too vast. Yeah, actually, that was a close call for me between folklore and, and Winky. I, I love that song, and uh, it is. It's it's really like its own tiny movie when you're listening to it. You, you're captivated by the entire story. You can easily follow it and and understand what's going on. And at the end, you're sort of like happy. You know, the mission was saved. It's it's like yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really like an accomplishment. I think that, I mean, you know, one of the most important things in what we do as a band is to try to give those moments in songs where the hairs can stand up on the back of your neck. And for me, Winky's got that moment where, you know, it's, it all, you know, it all comes to a happy ending in effect. Um, and I, you know, I, it, it just, it just covers a lot of ground. It does it in eight minutes rather than 18 minutes. It's complex. It's interesting. Uh, it's it's you know it's got a lot of energy to it and um, yeah I think it's a shame that it, it uh, you know not every song will will get the attention it necessarily deserves and um, so I'd like yeah I'd like people to have a, another listen to Winky yeah for sure uh, awesome okay uh, David number three okay um, again in no particular order but it seems that we've all Greg and I are on folklore as we as we're speaking <laughs> so I'm going to go for a song of Greg's I think it's a fantastic song and we've performed this live um at both our shows last year and the previous summer and it's transit of venus across the sun i just think it's a, i think it's a real moment and it's about um um sir patrick moore it's kind of based on the on sir patrick moore and how he lost um the, the love of his life and he never really um he never really re-engaged again with anyone kind of romantically i guess after that point um so as far as we know anyway uh but that's it's a lovely it's a lovely idea and when we play it and we've got the 
the, the the a movie of the burning sun behind us with the with the the, 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 the doctor going in front of the sun. It's just a it's just a real moment, and we hit the um, we hit the Latin set the Latin section where it goes into the uh, uh, the topography of uh, features of the planet Venus, and the, the the brass band introducing it, and it's a real it's a real moment. It sounds heroic, you know, and um, and um, and beautiful, and uh, I think it's an amazing piece of work. Set a course for the stars, reaching out for. Yeah, the the horn section, especially where you're talking about, is re- is really dramatic, and that's something you guys incorporate really well into into a lot of songs. Is there a challenge when you're going to, to do these live performances because you do bring on you know a whole you know horn section and sort of arranging all of that live? Is that does that become sort of a, a challenge? Well, it's just because uh, the parts are arranged. So it's just the challenge is that you know it's it's part of our sound really, Roy. So we've got to we've we've got we've got to do it right. You know we've got to represent ourselves in the way that it should be. So we we you know in many ways we, we have sort of made a rod for our back in the sense that yes it's expensive to move all these people around the place, but it's part of big big trend. It's what we do, and and the audience expect it when when we're doing gigs. Um, promoters are saying you know you must bring the brass with you, you must be you know all that kind of thing. So it's. Ex- every 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 festival promoter that talks to us says exactly that you know you've got to bring the brass you know so there's it's kind of become you know it's become a, a sort of a a key part of our identity musically and and certainly in the live arena and the guy it's great to have the guys around you know they're they're uh you know that most of them are, are um army band members or former army band members so they're really good fun uh, fun chaps, you know, they're a real part of the the team. And Dave Desmond, the trombonist who arranges the the parts, he's a really skillful uh, arranger. You know, he, it's it's great chucking these ideas at him. Uh, sometimes, you know, they're they're fairly well developed, like that the bit on folklore. Da, 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 that was that was kind of fairly well scored. Um, but other times, it's like, yeah, you know, Dave is a kind of melody here, and you know, can you can you make something of this and you know he he'll um he'll then go away and score it really beautifully. So he's very gifted, I think, uh, Dave Desmond. And uh, yeah, it's brilliant. It, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's just such a lot, such a part of what we do. These Have days. you thought about uh, are they coming to the U.S. the brass section? Are you doing that? So well, so uh, at Rosfest uh, said <laughs> you must bring the brass. Um, so what we, we I mean we need to I mean that we do need to be. Uh, economical here um not with the truth but with the but with you know the cost uh, or, the, or the economic economics of touring yeah, sure. so what we we will have the brass band with us um but it's quite likely we'll maybe just bring dave and uh hire some local local players and the brass i mean the brass scene in in america is astounding right. um you know the, the only thing you guys get wrong is you call it horn which <laughs> brass um <laughs> So uh, you know, but apart from that, you know, the, the level of the players is just is just brilliant, and um, you know, so there's no there's no concern 
uh, for us. It'd be a shame not to have all the guys around, you know, when we when we're traveling outside of Europe. And as much as we can, we'll have the the usual team. Um, but you know, we just need to be realistic sure. about no, people. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a challenge. I, listen, it's a challenge for for a, a band of just four guys. Uh, yeah, in to, many cases, to come from Europe over here to play, it, it, it's tough, and it's a, it, yeah. you know, we we're 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 getting more and more bands here. It, it seems to be more of an interest in in prog bands coming to the states, which is great. Uh, so hopefully that continues to improve. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to jump in. My number three. Uh, so, like I said, there's a little bit of a trend. I keep picking the opening track of albums. I don't know why <laughs> that is. Um, but so I'm going to go to Grimmsbound for uh, my third one and Brave Captain, which uh, another track that just the, from the first listen just you know blew me away. Um, that whenever you guys go like super epic, that's awesome. It just it's done perfectly. And so, uh, Brave Captain, there's, there's sort of a part, uh, sort of in the, towards the middle to the end section where it really kind of elevates. And that's, uh, just some of my favorite stuff that you guys do. Um, and again, it's another really cool story that you can follow and listen. I'm not always a, a deep lyric guy. Um, but when you start listening to some of these songs, you're like, Oh, what did he say there? I'm trying to follow it. Then you go and you actually try to read the words and it really kind of sucks you in and um, I find that that doesn't happen to me with a lot of a lot of bands, uh, but in particular, you guys have a, a way of doing that. Sunshine through the leaves back in '73, with my parents and we were eating ice cream in the shade of the old trees. I asked, "Who was he?" My dad said to me, "I thought he was only." Where'd you find the story for Brave Captain if, uh, in, in writing that one? Well, I'm a Nottingham boy, and uh, I uh, it not Al, Captain Albert Ball is a is a, a famous uh, World War One air pilot, uh, air ace actually. Um, uh, he was a, a hero, and he came from Nottingham. And there's a statue of him in the Nottingham Castle grounds. The sleeve notes are to to Grimmsbound on on the album will kind of disclose all of that kind of thing. But that's it's where it came from. So um, the idea of uh, Brave Captain really came from. Uh, I remember being a boy in the castle grounds. It's a hot day. I remember that because we. I was. I remember eating an ice cream. I was with my mum and dad. And my dad was in the RAF, the Royal Air Force, and. Um, I remember looking at the impressive statue of Albert, who's, uh, you know, at that time I thought he's got his leathers on and incredible looking kind of iconic heroic image. And um, I wanted to know who he was. And my dad told me who he was and he explained that he'd, he'd uh, died for his country in the war and things like that. And uh, so there's a strange 
relationship, this triangulation going on between Captain Albert Ball, the statue of Captain Albert Ball, uh, me as a young boy with a, an ice cream, and my dad is also in the RAF. So that's it. It's again, it's the human relationship. Yeah. It's another. It's it's not just the subject matter. It's how right. people. That's how we relate to to these things. You know why they strike chords in us, and that's what Brave Captain's about. But uh, uh, yeah, Captain Albert Ball was an interesting man. Um, and he's also there's, there's one line in it says uh, this we- this weapon had a conscience. He wasn't just a cold blooded killer. I think one of the one of the Captain Albert Ball quotes that um, gets right. me is so he said, uh, "It's it's a, a question of either them or me, and if it's either them or me, it will be them, not me." And that's that's the way he viewed it. But interestingly enough, um, after we played Cadogan Hall and we played Brave Captain, we're lucky enough to have a, a, a descendant of Captain Albert Ball, um, a gentleman called Dean Page, who came along, and he said, uh, "You wrote, you thank you for writing the song about." Uh, uh, my answer. Well, that's a, that was a great thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he never thought that would come to be uh, from any band. So that's that's definitely cool. But you're right. The part where you're talking about, uh, you're t- it, I mean, I didn't know that was you, but about the kid with his with his dad and and trying to find out yeah. about the story. It, it again, it brilliantly paints the picture of the scene and you know what what's what's going on there. It's awesome. Uh, we always try to, to make the emotional connection. Uh, both Craig and I do that with our writing. There's always a human element, a strong human emotional element to the story, a strong human emotional connection. Yeah. Very subject. cool. Uh, okay, Greg, number two. Uh, so I'm going to go, the, my last two choices are from the, the new album, the Grand Tour album. Uh, this is a song called Florentine. Um, I choose this because for me, it's just, it's just a classic album track it's a really strong piece of writing and if someone said you know who doesn't know anything about big train you know point me in the direction of a song very likely it'd be this one that i would i would point them at because i think it speaks very well of, of what the band does the other thing i like about it is it's a it's a great example of collaborative work across the band so whilst the song was written by david um there's a lot of character in it from uh, the other musicians, a lot of vocal presence from Nick, for example. Um, but also there was this issue we had with, um, you know, David left some space for a solo. Um, and uh, I'm not sure whether that was going to be a guitar or a keyboard solo. And and in fact, what happened is Rickard sort of nipped in first and, and turned in this really, really beautiful lyrical guitar solo there. So Danny was left a little bit crestfallen because he was, you know, kind of thinking, well, I, you know, I wanted a solo in, that, in the <laughs> song. But he, you know, he... It just improvised a, a, a piece over the same passage. And, you know, in effect, what we were able to do then was to accommodate both solos because they were both really strong pieces of work. And I think, you know, the other thing that I like about this tune, as well as it being a good example of collaborative working, is that it it shows the benefit of, you know, not being afraid to sort of stretch your wings a bit. You know, that's it, the benefit of prog rock, if you like. Um, that you're not held back by a conventional song format. You know, we're not worried about it being having to be four or three minutes long or whatever. You know, if it sounds better longer, then it will be longer. And this piece does sound better longer. It just has, you know, it, the flow for me became, you know, just felt, it didn't feel rushed before, but it just feels just more comfortable with itself. So um, so it's a great decision. It's David's decision to, to incorporate both of them. Great bit of writing, you know, good performances from from the band. Yeah, it's a good song. Your 
Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites from the new album as well. I I think it's uh it's great, and I, I will say I, I I don't have any songs from the new album on my top five, but simply only it's because it's just a couple months old. <laughs> you know, that's for me that's the thing. But I haven't decided. Certainly, many of them are my favorite. I don't know which one I would pick if I had to pick yet. It's not there yet, but um, uh, but I love I love the album. I actually want to ask you about one track in particular because yeah, sure. I hear I've been reading a lot of reviews of people writing about the new record. And one of the songs that gets a lot of attention is the instrumental Pantheon, uh, which happens to be a a Nick DiVirgilio track. Um, So I'm curious about how that one happened. Uh, You know, did he write it off completely and just present it one day or did someone ask for it or what happens there like that? It was, yeah, it was, no, it was, it was, it was a pure bit of uh, Nick DiVirgilio songwriting. I think I think Nick's been looking to join the, the songwriting team for, for quite some time. Um, so, uh, in fact, this song, this is actually probably the oldest song on, on the album um, or piece of music because we had it a couple of years ago and it was being... In fact, in fact it was set aside for uh, a concept album that never quite um, got finished off. Um, and so Nick's been very patient with us on on this because we were we we you know it had lost its home if you like but we wanted to save it for the right the right piece of work the right album we didn't just want to give it away on a on a B side of a single or something. Yeah, no, it fits really well there. Yeah, it's a great great piece of music. It's complicated. It's you know it's it's urgent. It's you know it's got the the brass again coming in and giving it sort of almost a James Bond kind of feel at times. Um, but no, I, it's it's great, and, and you know that that's the, the the cool thing now. You know, pretty much everybody in the band uh, is is submitting songs, and uh, you know it, it means that it sort of rich it enriches the brew that we've got. If you see what I mean, you know, we can do. I don't, you know, I don't think I could write something like Pantheon to be honest. It, you know, but Nick can because he's got a bit more of a fusion background, and he can, you know, he can put these sort of things together. Yeah, awesome. Uh, okay, David, you're number two. Okay, um, I'm going to pick, um, like Greg's done really, I've decided to go for some things off uh, off of Grand Tour rather than just concentrating on uh, on uh, just old material. Uh, so I've gone for um, every, good, every good story has a, an ending and uh, I've decided for my, uh, my second choice, or well, my second choice, my second, uh, my penultimate track, uh, I've, I've gone for Home Song. And uh, I think it's a really strong way to finish off an album it's a very positive uh way of finishing off the album i know when i've been uh, abroad when i was uh, younger spent quite a lot of time in france um where every turn from france i always even with regard to what i'd ever seen when i was i was abroad when i came back i always um 
saw my home in a very different way. It wasn't only um, all the familiar surroundings and comforts of home. There was some, something that kind of changed. But of course, nothing really changed about home. Something had changed in me. And I think in this track, um, after we've been on the travels throughout the album, we've been into space and all the kind of whatever we're doing. Um, it's it, it's a it's a great song. It's it's we all we all we all have the need to come home. And I think um, Greg, Greg captures this beautifully. too that's a and that's one that has it really has two two completely different parts to it right the first half is is uh almost has kind of a a latin groove to it once the drums come in and then the the ending becomes that big big train epic soaring kind of you know orchestral ending which you guys do so well um so yeah it's a great way to close the album that's exactly right and in fact i'm going to skip ahead and do my my final choice because th- my final choice was home song so <laughs> okay. we, we didn't compare we didn't compare notes in fact we've done quite well so far actually not to no not no it's great i like uh, not up, knowing but, in advance but, uh, when david said oh every story needs an ending i thought oh no he's tr- he's picked <laughs> um, so yeah it was uh, the reason i picked it I, I do you know i do think it's a, a nice ending to the album but the reason i picked it was because uh and david will know this very well you know sometimes you have a vision for a song and it, it, you know, at some stage along the way, it doesn't quite end up as you wanted it to or expected it to or hoped it to. And it might be that, you know, it ends up better. It might be that it ends up not quite as good, but for whatever reason, it doesn't quite end up as you hoped. Now, Home Song is an example that of the opposite of that, where everything I heard in my head and got onto the demo then came true as the band got their you know got their fingers on it you know i i I deliberately in writing it i wanted this kind of fairly sprightly up tempo beginning and then i could hear it ending with this sort of fairly big powerful brass section and i wanted uh you know some you know cool guitar licks in there and i wanted the vocal to be very emotive at the end and that's that kind of all came to part, you know, as I was watching people recording their, their bits and bobs, it all, you know, when the brass was down, I think, yeah, Dave's really nailed the arrangement there. The drums are great and the violin and, and, you know, everything's, everything's there. And then, you know, towards the end of the recording, Dave was putting his guitar down and that was really stellar bit of guitar playing. And then I was there when David did the vocal parts and, you know, again, I could, you know, I could feel the, the hairs going up on the back of my neck as they were going down. So it's just one of those, songs that just has survived the process of songwriting i suppose and uh you know i'm really you know if someone said if someone said to me just you know tell me one song that you're proud of uh, i think at the moment it would be it'd be this one uh you know i'm a bit of a home bird i'm very fixated by the natural landscape and 
wildlife and you know i've tried to capture the essence of all of those things in in the song and in the lyrics so um so yeah it turned out it turned out well and i'm very very proud and very pleased that david also uh you know also touches him too that's good yeah and you know you're right because it it encompasses a lot of what you guys do in just five minutes which is not always that's a really good point that can be achieved you know yeah i totally agree i, I think we've done we've you know this you know those that are complaining that we're that we're you know we're we're mining the same ground i suppose uh we'll point to home song as an example but i think uh maybe you know when i look at a song like home song i'm thinking maybe of victorian brickwork or hedgerow that sort of piece that we've done before it's in it's from the same stable but i think what you say is very true we it was you know it's it's done and dusted in five minutes you know it, it, it doesn't it didn't need to be any longer than it was it, it successfully sort of speaks of of what needed to be said in that yeah. period of time. Um, no, so, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant piece of music. Thank you. Um, all right, so David, hold on to your number one. We'll 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 take turns. Uh, <laughs> do I'll do uh, so. My number two, um, tough call to not have this number one. But my number one to me was always fairly obvious, and I'll get to that. But my number two is under fall yard. Uh, the the title track from that album, the long epic, yeah. um, probably doesn't come as a surprise. I'm sure you get a lot of people think that's their favorite song or one one of the most endearing songs from from the group, right? It's got to be. It gets yeah, um, it gets mentioned a lot. Yeah, and uh, I mean, look, that that is one of the best twenty plus minute songs that that there is. It, it covers so much musical ground and. And the uh, again, just the epic nature of, of the, the sort of the reintroduction of the chorus and the main themes when they come towards the end, it's just so powerful and, and, and massive. Um, and and that and simply, I mean, that opening guitar riff is in itself is just so cool. You know, who wrote that guitar part, Greg? Is that is that one of your things? It was actually, yeah. Um, I, I it, the song was influenced by um, a number of things, but uh, by a track by Steve Hillage, um, the, the title of which escapes me. I think it's it's it might be Fish Rising, or the album's called Fish Rising, um, and it just had this kind of lovely, sort of lugubrious kind of uh, guitar um, phrase on it, or electric guitar arpeggio sort of riff, uh, and I and that kind of idea influenced the sort of 12 string riff that um uh, that is at the core of of the song or the early stages of the song and the little bit at the start of it that preempts that was just something that that was on the on the original demo as well so obviously it was performed by by dave gregory on the album but it was oh, it maybe me actually i can't remember now but um but yeah it was uh it was one of my one of my things and yeah it's nice that that's you know it's 10 years old now that song and um it's good that people, you know, still enjoy it. We've played it live a few times now, and uh, it, it's. I think it, you know, whilst it it's twenty minutes or so long, it it, it doesn't outstay its welcome. You know, for me, it, it, it you know, there's a lot going on in there, and it does have a satisfactory uh, ending. You know, it does it, it gets to a, a place that um, is quite moving, and it was a good on the uh, one of the best things about recording the, that album was hearing david singing the end section because there was no vocals on the end section originally the very end of it and he just was improvising these lines from earlier and i think it was then that i was thinking christ this guy is just he's just really fantastic at um at what he does yeah. you know it's, the, the it's ending that, lines were i mean they're just so 
Oh, very moving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really, it, it really, and then you know, then you get Dave Gregory you know, coming in with some lovely guitar licks as well. It really, um, you know, again, it was a good example of that collaborative working, uh, taking the song up several notches for me. So yeah, thank you for thank you for choosing one of our long pieces. So, so you, uh, your number one then would be Home Song, which we covered, and David will jump to your number one choice. Okay, um, I'm going to go for. It's going to be another Greg song because I feel a bit. Um, I feel a bit. I don't really particularly like choosing my own material because it's. Uh, it's. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, I'm going to go for Voyage because it needs to be said. Uh, it's, it's again, it's on Grand Tour, and uh, it's uh, coming towards the, um, the twilight of the album, if you like. Um, uh, it's a. It's an epic song. Um, it's about the Voyager space missions, and um, which was something Greg and I are both the same age. We were both born in 1965, and uh, so we, we were born in the same year. And uh, to, to us at that time, it was all very exciting stuff, seeing these missions going off into space. And um, I'm, I'm sure Greg will tell you a little bit more about it um, uh, in, in a moment. Um, but it was um, it's it's a, it's a stirring piece of music. We also it's the first time we've done uh, well. We recorded strings in Abbey Road Studio Two, and you can hear those strings in uh, towards the closing sections of, uh, of Voyager. And it's a really stirring thing um, when it happens. You know, you can hear um, the, the the acoustic signature of that that incredibly um, significant and important recording environment. And you can uh, it's great to hear that on 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 a piece of big big music. And I think it works. Right. It's very stirring and and, uh, and otherworldly and yeah. real lump in the throat stuff. It's um, it's from it's cut from the same cloth as um, things like um, Greg's East, East Coast Racer and Brooklyn's from Folklore, um, and you can hear that lineage as moves uh, along. It's a it's a great work, and uh, it, it's a you know a, 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 it's a, a climactic moment as, as we draw to the close of the, the grand tour. Measuring the Standing still And water Turn to ice And the sun has gone to rest A wilderness An emptiness
Uh, yeah, again, an, uh, another awesome track. I mean, the whole new album is full of full of amazing stuff. Um, but the the ending, the last couple of songs together from Voyager down the home song is is probably my sort of my favorite part of the album as you get sort of get to the closing moments, those two songs together. So I'm glad those got some mentions. Nice you put that on there. Um, and again, the new album, by the time you, everyone hears this, it is out. So get it, listen to it. It's awesome. Um, all right, so I'm going to jump into my uh, number one choice. And uh, I get another opening track. So I think four out of my five choices were <laughs> opening track. Um, and uh, look, I'm going to go on record and say, not only is this my favorite song by you guys, it is one of my favorite songs ever. And, uh, and you have to play it live when you come here. Okay. I'm demanding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, and I think you probably would, but anyway, it's East coast racer from English electric too. And, uh, or from full power either way. Um, I just think the second half of it, uh, is one of my favorite pieces of music. It's up there with, you know, the instrumental section from cinema show and things like that for me. So, um, I think it's just awesome when that extra sort of, a, I'm going to guess it's like a Moog or something comes in the second half of the, the sort of ending part. It just gives me goosebumps every time. And, uh, I've seen you guys perform it live on videos and stuff and it's just awesome. Uh, so absolutely just a, a jaw dropping track for me and uh, one that I still listen to all the time. And I think you guys, you've played it live in most shows and it seems to, to be sort of, of a big crowd pleaser. Do you sort of sense the same idea when you when you play it live from the audience about that song? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we are going to have to put it to bed at some stage. Um, but, uh, you know, it probably will be in the live set for a little bit longer. Um, yeah, it does feel it's it's a real, it's a real, you know, it's a blast to play. It really is. I mean, I remember... The, I mean, a lot of the energy in it is down to Nick. Um, you know, he really gets that kind of, you know, when the, the sort of second section gets going and we're sort of motoring towards the, the later stages, it, it's that ability that he's got to groove in odd time signatures, you know, that it's so important. I, you know, I hear so many drummers that can play odd time signatures but don't groove in them. And what Nick does, because he's got that sort of Tony Williams, Phil Collins kind of, uh, bringing it you know he's got groove and so and i've got a lovely i've got a little bit of video i'll share it at some stage where we were recording the drums in the studio and we'd he'd done it he'd whizzed through it three or four times and i just said you know that's it you know we've got enough and he just said hey you know it's really it's really cool to play you know i'm happy to do a couple more takes you know because <laughs> he was in you know just enjoying that sort of groove really um and yeah it's a moment i mean i love uh, you know uh, playing it live I love, you know, I love the fact that David stays on stage for the, you know, for the instrumental section because he clearly, you know, I can see that he's enjoying the music and, you know, getting in with the groove. And there's a nice bit of video footage where the kind of big Mellotron moments coming up and you can just see... That's what I meant, Mellotron. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a, big, there's a, big, Tron, there's a big Tron intervention in the song and you can kind of see there's a bit where you just see this David from the side before it happens and there's a on youtube and you can just see a little smile on his face because i think he's just you know knows that that that's sort of coming and and uh so it's good yeah it's good it's good fun i'm glad that's um i'm glad that song's made the cut awesome well guys this is uh a blast um 
you know, I think you guys are just riding a, an amazing wave right now, and I'm really happy for the for the success. I'm happy to get to know you guys and, and thank you, thank you. Uh, be able to yep. talk about some of these this music and help spread the word. And and we'll uh, meet you next year. Look forward to yeah. meeting you next year. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be uh, uh, really exciting. I can't wait for that. And actually, now that Rossfest is now down here in Florida, which is a lot easier for me, which is <laughs> yeah. great. So that's, yeah. that's where um, I'm out of. <laughs> And we hear it's uh you know it's a lovely town and uh you know it's so we're you know we're looking forward yeah. to it. it should be good yeah all right and uh again everybody the new album grand tour is available now and uh check the websites and and facebook and all, all that kind of stuff for tour dates if you're around the uh, europe uk area and and next year in the states we'll find out more dates as time comes and uh again thanks guys we'll be uh we'll be in touch soon thank you okay thanks, thank you bro. all right bye Bye.